Hello, and welcome to the DeathCast, the place where the cool, creepy kids come to learn about their true crime. I am your host, author, and journalist, Ian Totten, and I'd like to thank you for joining me. Before I get going this week, as always, I have the normal show notes. If you would like to follow me on social media, just search for the DeathCast podcast, the DeathCast, or DeathCast pod. I am on most social media platforms under those monikers. If you enjoy what I do, please consider leaving a five-star review wherever it is that you get your favorite podcasts. And subscribe to the show, like and share on social media. All those things are greatly appreciated. And lastly, if you're an advertiser who is interested in advertising on this show, please contact my agents at bigpondpodcasts.com. Just a quick side note, uh, this week's episode is being dedicated to Peter C., who recently passed away at age 41. You're a good guy, Pete. You're going to be missed. Alright, now that all that is out of the way, find yourself a big comfy chair, kick back, relax, get yourself something to drink, I have my coffee, I have my cigarettes, let's go into the crypt. This week's case, we are staying in the UK for, we're actually covering the crimes of Richard Huckle, who is a notorious English pedophile. Before we get too deep into it, I do want to give a warning that there are going to be some discussions of serious acts of child sexual abuse and predation. And for those of you who really can't take that type of thing, you may want to go find a different episode to listen to as... Unfortunately, that is the majority of what this case concerns. Richard Huckle was born on May 14, 1986 in Ashford, Kent. It's bordered by Greater London to the northwest, Surrey to the west, and East Sussex to the southwest, while Essex is to the north across the River Thames. Huckle came from what has been described as an ordinary middle-class family who were regulars at their local church. According to an article by The Sun dated November 24, 2020, Huckle grew up in this normal household and To date, there is no known evidence to suggest that he suffered any type of abuse, be it physical, emotional, or sexual. People who knew Huckle in school said that he was a quiet yet popular child who was devoutly religious. Richard was among only a handful of students who were chosen to attend a all-boy grammar secondary school. Again, according to an article in the sun.co.uk, Richard was said to be, quote, 
so quiet, it was almost like he kept his academic ability a secret even as a child, the source adds. He was a normal child, interested in normal things like action man. According to numerous sources, after finishing primary school and starting at Harvey Grammar School, his life began to go through a series of changes with sources stating that Huckle drifted away from the majority of his friends. There are numerous reports stating that during this period of time he dabbled in petty crimes such as thefts and selling counterfeit merchandise to take advantage of whatever the current trend was. Some of these include selling bogus Pokemon cards as well as black market DVDs, although I haven't been able to verify all of that information. It should be noted that Huckle was said to have been a fan of tabletop role-playing games such as Warhammer and Dungeons and Dragons. Numerous people have described him as a loner who was often targeted by bullies. This is in contrast to the assertion that he was a popular child. And it makes me wonder if the people who were saying he was popular might not have been mistaken in some regard. He may have just been popular with their small group of friends. But in any event, the stories of the bullying that Huckle seems to have suffered through all center around his appearance, with most referring to him as quote-unquote rat-like. Which, if you see pictures of Huckle, which you can do by going to my various social media accounts, you will see he did have quite a rodent-like appearance. That aside, looking forward to his time in what to we Americans would call high school, the various crimes that Huckle got into while not serious in nature, do show a propensity for deviant-type behavior. When he was 16 years old, Huckle participated in a month-long trip to a school in Nambia, South Africa. There isn't a whole lot of information available on this particular trip, at least nothing pertaining to what would come later on in his life, specifically the horrendous crimes that he would go on to commit. Huckle would go on to study at South Kent College. From what I can gather, Huckle's time spent at South Kent College was what is referred to as further education, almost like pre-college type courses. However, at age 19, Huckle decided to take a break from his studies. Taking what's known as a gap year, basically just a sabbatical from studying, at which point 2005-2006, Huckle is known to have made his first trip to Malaysia. According to various sources, 
during this period of time, and in fact, up until the present day, there were numerous young British citizens within this country, and Huckle was able to blend in with them and go rather unnoticed. When asked what he was going to Malaysia for, Huckle claimed to be heading there to do charity work, but upon investigation, it seems as though Huckle was trying to find out the local laws and customs and the things that he could get away with. In 2005, Huckle traveled to Cambodia for the first time, again as a charity worker doing teaching, and it was during this 2005-2006 period that Huckle is known to have sexually assaulted his first victims, sisters aged four and six years old. After this, Huckle returned to the UK where he enrolled in a program to receive his SOLTA certificate, which is a certificate in teaching English language to speakers of other languages. And he did this through something known as the British Council, which is an organization that specializes in international culture and educational opportunities. Now, some people have called this organization, the British Council, a propaganda arm of the UK government as what they do is they go into these countries under the auspices of doing you know, education and foreign aid. And what in reality they're doing is they are spreading British cultural understanding and acceptance of that culture. Now, I would imagine that because of his experience in both Malaysia and Cambodia during... 2005-2006, the free access that he was given to children as both a teacher and an individual who helped at, at, at local churches and in the local communities, coupled with the fact that he had not been caught for the crimes he had committed in Cambodia, Huckle began to get this feeling of invincibility, and it appears that he had quite the rich fantasy life, as you're going to see. And again, I do need to warn you that some of the things that we're going to discuss are pretty unsettling. Huckle began to return regularly to Malaysia and Cambodia, one roommate he had during this time stated that he kept mostly to his himself and never spoke of girlfriends. When this roommate asked Huckle about this, he claimed to have low self-esteem and lack of confidence with women. This particular roommate also stated that they witnessed Huckle in the presence of children and that he quote unquote he was nervous he wouldn't talk to anyone or interact with the kids he was always had his camera around his neck even in the classroom we never gelled and there was always something odd about him but he was a Christian and out there doing all these amazing things so we gave him a chance 
Huckle was going to local churches and orphanages and volunteering his time while working on his CELTA certificate. He also enrolled in a, an IT, that's Information Technologies course, and began working as a photographer in and around the Kuala Lumpur metropolitan area. This is in Malaysia. So we have Huckle now. He's going back and forth between Great Britain and Malaysia. He eventually moves there in 2010 and began taking classes at the Kuala Lumpur Metropolitan University College, although he does not end up completing his studies there. Friends of Huckle began to notice strange things on his Facebook account. He would have images such as young boys fully clothed posed on the beaches of Malaysia at sunset or standing in what has been described as suggestive poses on his social media accounts, particularly Facebook. These friends have said in recent years that they didn't really understand the reason for these posed photographs, but that in hindsight it was obvious to them now that he had been posing these children in what they're describing as sexually explicit poses, although they were fully dressed, almost as though he were trying to give a signal to other pedophiles of what he was doing and to reach out to him so he could talk with them. We will get back into the crimes of Richard Huckle in just a moment. Face it. Shaker bottles suck. Your protein shake always comes out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cord. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code DCASTPOD to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet. Dot com and use the code DCASTPOD to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Again, that's BlendJet.com and use promo code DCASTPOD at checkout. That's capital D, capital C, A-S-T, capital P-O-D, 
at checkout to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. We are back. Again, I have to give this warning because we are now getting into the meat of the matter, as it were. Huckle was grooming and horrifically sexually abusing these children that he was meeting through these orphanages. Everything from digital penetration to full-on rape, and he had no real age range in so much as he really targeted only adolescents, and we're talking, you know, from a couple months old up to, you know, roughly 10, 11 years old, and he targeted a lot of children, and he began sharing images and videos on the dark web, bragging to other pedophiles in these networks that he was linking himself in with, how easy it was to target and defend against Malaysian youngsters. One post that was later found by police stated, impoverished kids are definitely much easier to do seduce than middle-class Western kids. But to outside appearances, no one realized what Huckle was doing. He would spend time in Malaysia. As I stated, he lived, started living there in 2010, but he would go back to the UK, and he was seen as a pillar of his community and a good Christian man who was spreading the gospel while helping out those who were underprivileged and teaching them English and other skills while also volunteering his time to take photographs for various orphanages and church groups throughout that part of Asia to help promote the work that was being done there. 2011 and 2012, Huckle worked part-time as a photographer for the Nike Football Club Malaysia, although there have been no accusations or verified charges coming out of his time working with this football club. My guess is that it was probably much too high profile and there were too many people keeping an eye on things for him to be able to offend within this organization. But it is known that he was actively abusing during this period of time. I think it's important to note at this point, earlier I mentioned that Huckle had a very active fantasy life. He's known to have kept a journal in which he described all of his various offenses. And within this journal, he gave himself what he called pedo points, which varied with the severity of the level of offense. That feeds into the fantasy life aspect as we already discussed he was into playing role-playing and tabletop role-playing games where oftentimes you'll get points for doing various things it seems as though 
he took that aspect of these games and applied it to the real world where he seems to have thought of himself as something like a secret agent. That's my wording, not anyone else's, because on the one hand, he's presenting the this you know, good, upstanding character, moral Christian man who's doing all these things for the underpoverished, but on the flip side of that, he's committing some of the most horrendous and horrific crimes imaginable against children and gloating about it online and then keeping this journal. And quickly, I want to touch on how these organizations online, these dark web pedophile networks operate. Anybody who recalls the series I did on Jimmy Saville may remember that I mentioned an organization known as Pi, which was the pedophile information exchanged. It was a quasi- political organization based in the UK in the late 1970s through the mid-1980s who ostensibly were trying to get facts and information out to society to normalize what it was these animals were doing. But in reality, what they were doing was they were sharing stories, images, videos, as well as coordinating amongst one another trips to go abuse abroad, as well as within the UK. But they were doing more than that. They were teaching other pedophiles how to offend and get away with it. And that is how the majority of these dark web rings operate. They teach one another ways to go about committing their heinous crimes against children and how to get away with it, as well as informing other members of places that they can go where it is less likely that they are going to receive any form of jail sentence. Huckle himself authored a 60-page book, kind of a guidebook for other pedophiles to do the things that he was doing and to avoid detection while getting the most gratification from their crimes. And he published this on the dark web. So while Huckle is doing all of these things and making regular return trips to the UK to visit with family and friends, Unbeknownst to him and to society at large, the Australian police have become aware of the activities of a group of pedophiles on the dark web. Specifically, a task force known as Task Force Argos, which is operated by the Queensland Police Service, whose sole job and responsibility is to investigate, track down, and arrest the perpetrators of child sexual abuse and the creators of child pornography. 
So basically what happens is this task force Argos trolls the internet looking for individuals seeking images of children being abused or offering chill images of children being abused or people looking to abuse children and they begin investigating them. They also be, go on the dark web and infiltrate all of these disgusting chat rooms and websites building cases as they go as well as trying to find identifying marks upon these perpetrators in an effort to track them down and if they are outside of Australia to work in conjunction with organizations in other countries to bring these offenders into custody but Argos goes much further than that they will actually find the owner or the host of a particular dark web website and they will arrest them and then take control of the organization while they build cases against the various members using that particular website. And they have faced some criticism for doing this as by not removing these websites immediately, they are allowing these perpetrators to continue to disseminate information, images, and videos, as well as to continue abusing these children. And it's really a double-edged sword if you look at it, because on the one hand, they are doing good work by taking down these networks and arresting these individuals. Obviously, the other they are allowing people to continue with these actions while they investigate them and attempt to bring them to justice. And therein lies a good amount of the criticism about them in that they're not taking these websites over and immediately shutting them down. And while I can see the argument from both sides of the spectrum, they are, in fact, dealing with individuals who are highly motivated to keep their real identities and their activities a secret from both the police and society as a whole. And if they want to bring these individuals to justice, there has to be some leeway in order to allow these police agencies to figure out who these offenders are so that they can track them down. And that is exactly how Task Force Argos became aware of a poster on a website known as The Love Zone. And one poster in particular always signed on with a very unique greeting of Hayas, they also noticed that this poster had a freckle on one of his fingers. Now, this website, The Love Zone, has been described as a place where images and videos of extremely young children were posted, where participants who numbered in the tens of thousands had to 
regularly contribute content that was of an increasingly graphic and disturbing nature if they wanted to remain a member of the site. I'm trying to word this nicely. Let's just say they had an image of a boy who was nude. Well, the next image might include digital penetration and then escalating from there. That's the way a lot of these websites work. You have to continuously upload material and content that will, quote, shock and titillate the other users if you want to remain on these websites. It's really a sick and twisted and disgusting world. Anyways, after taking notice of this individual, members of Task Force Argos began crawling the internet, chat rooms, social media, etc. in an attempt to find someone who spoke in a similar manner and also who had photographs that would have the same distinguishing characteristics as the images that were being shared on the dark web. That could be you know, bedrooms or an outside setting or vehicles, anything that they could tie to the images they were finding on the dark web. Eventually, officers discovered a fake Facebook page with numerous images on it. One of these images, they saw a vehicle that was located in Adelaide, Australia. And the vehicle ended up leading them to a man by the name of Shannon McCool, who worked as a child care worker. The police tracked McCool down to Adelaide and actually they raided his house and upon bursting through the front doors, they actually found McCool on his computer running the website. After taking him into custody, they searched him, and lo and behold, the freckle on his hand matched perfectly with the freckle that they had seen in hundreds, if not thousands, of images of child abuse. But they kept this quiet and actually took over the running of this website, running it for more than six months, in fact. The police pretty quickly zeroed in on Richard Huckle, given the images he was posting as well as his unique greeting of Hayas. It didn't take them very long to ascertain what his true identity was, and eventually they tracked Huckle down and realized that he was going to be returning to the UK during the Christmas season in 2014, at which time they contacted the NCA, the National Crime Agency in Great Britain, and informed them of who this man was and what crimes he had been participating in. 
We will get back to the case of Richard Huckle in just a moment. I'm on the road a lot, and it's really hard to stay properly hydrated on the road. There's so many choices between water and sports drinks, many of them filled with sugars and other chemicals that leave you feeling run down afterwards. But what if I told you there is a better solution? Liquid 4 is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on a long flight. One of the things I like best about the Liquid 4 Hydration Multiplier is their delicious flavor options such as sea berry, strawberry lemonade, Concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, or my personal favorite, watermelon. But Liquid 4 doesn't just taste good, it's good for you. Contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sport drinks. But best of all, Liquid 4 is non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy, which means that anybody can enjoy it, regardless of their dietary restrictions. And now, just for listeners of my show, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code DCASTPOD at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code DCASTPOD. So go to Liquid4, that's IV.com, and use promo code capital D, capital C, A S T, capital P O D, at checkout to get 20% off your order. Liquid4 Hydration. It's time to take your hydration needs. To the next level. Cobra Killer. Gay Porn, Murder, and the Manhunt to Bring the Killers to Justice by Andrew E. Stoner and Peter A. Conway is the first and most detailed account of the gay porn murder that shocked a nation. Cobra Killer, featured on NBC's Snapped Killer Couples, pulls back the glitzy veil of the gay porn industry to expose a story of deceit, greed, and the ultimate betrayal. Cobra Killer. Gay Porn, Murder, and the Manhunt to Bring the Killers to Justice tells the story of online gay porn entrepreneur Brian Kosis, whose brutal near-decapitation on a Wednesday in early 2007 sent shockwaves through the small Pennsylvania town where he ran his porn empire. The basis for the Christian Slater film King Cobra, Cobra Killer has been called an addictive page-turner that you won't want to put down, by the San Diego LGBT Weekly and a grisly, gripping documentary account of the 2007 murder by Passport Magazine, Cobra Killer, Gay Porn, Murder, and the Manhunt to Bring the Killers to Justice by Andrew E. Stoner and Peter A. Conway, available on Amazon in paperback and ebook or at bookstores nationwide. And we are back. On December 19th, 2014, Huckle was coming in to London's Gatwick Airport when officers from the National Crime Agency 
approached and placed him under arrest. So the police question Huckle concerning allegations of child sexual abuse as well as the creation and distribution of child pornography and he refuses to answer any of their questions. Eventually he is released on bail under the proviso that he remain with his parents. The police also confiscated Huckle's computer and again this case is different from many others because Huckle went to stay with his family and the following day Huckle's mother actually questioned her son regarding the allegations made against him and Huckle confided and confessed to his mother that he had in fact sexually assaulted children ranging in ages from 3 to 12 years old and again Huckle's parents didn't react the way some parents in these situations do, where they stand up and stand by their child. Huckle's parents immediately contacted the police and, by their own admission, begged police to remove their son from their house, which resulted in Huckle being rearrested and placed in confinement. And it, once there, once he was confined, Huckle began to confess to the police about his various crimes. While he's confessing to the police, they're going through his computer and they find numerous images and videos on his computer. Some sources state that they found as many as 20,000 images on his computer. They also discovered the manual that Huckle had written, which he had entitled Pedophiles and Poverty Child Lover Guide, along with the notes that he had kept concerning all of his various assaults and his scoring system. One thing I found that there's conflicting reports on, remember at the beginning of the episode, I talked about this disgusting manual that he had written. Some sources state that he actually did distribute it, while others state that it had been ready for publication on the dark web when the police found it. In either case, the SOB wrote the thing, and whether he distributed it or not, is really secondary to the fact that the police had caught this animal. When he went to court for the first time, it took over an hour for police to read all of the charges laid out against Richard Huckle. With one of the judges, Judge Peter Rook QC, telling Huckle that his actions amounted to, quote, sexual offending of the utmost gravity, before later explaining to Huckle that he was considering a life sentence. When he eventually came to trial, Huckle was pretty much decimated by the prosecution, who not only had members of law enforcement on their side, but even his own parents who gave testimony at the trial. It was at this trial that it was clarified that Huckle had preyed on children ranging in ages from 
six months old to 12 years old, with one person stating, Huckle delights in abusing babies and toddlers, and that his boasting of this on the internet showed the, quote, depths of his warped depravity. Huckle's sentencing hearing began on June 1st, 2016 and lasted until June 3rd, while the sentence itself was passed on June 6th of 2016. At his sentencing, Huckle's lawyer, Philip Sapforth QC, read a prepared statement from Huckle that stated, I really understand and acknowledge the true scale of damage it caused to the Malaysian community. I had hoped to escape this mundane life of solitude in the UK, yet was overwhelmed by the attention I received in Malaysia. I completely misjudged the affections I received from these children. My low self-esteem and lack of confidence with women was no excuse for me to use these children as an outlet. I am open and eager to rehabilitation from this offending behavior. I don't want to become a martyr to sex tourism in Malaysia. That was all my doing as a consequence of my immaturity, and I am truly remorseful. To which I say absolute bullshit, as you see oftentimes with individuals of this type. They are trying to pass the blame for their offending onto those they victimized. And that's all that statement was. He wasn't accepting for responsibility for his actions and asking the court, you know, throw the book at me. He was basically saying, none of this would happen had women shown an interest in me and the, the children in Malaysia and the communities that I preyed upon not shown me the attention that they did. And had somebody said something about it, I probably would have stopped it's all a scam game. These kinds of animals do this stuff all the time in an effort to escape punishment for their crimes. In their minds, they think that by giving a statement like this, people out there might believe the things that they're saying and not completely hold them accountable for the crimes that they have committed. Further in this statement from Huckle's lawyer, Sapsford, he asked the judge to take into consideration his client's age, his claimed remorse, and the fact that Huckle had no previous convictions. He also touted the fact that Huckle had limited sexual experience with women in a psychologist's report that said he suffered from depression as a teenager. And I can't fault the defense lawyer for doing this. His job is, after all, to defend his client the best he can. But you do see this stuff way too often with these cases where, again, the person is trying to escape the blame for the crimes that they have committed. Thankfully, though, Huckle was not able to escape blame. The prosecution during the sentencing phase made a point to let the judge and those who were in attendance know that Huckle was only being charged with the 91 children, that there was photographic or video evidence of him having offended against, and that Huckle's own diary gave further evidence of a total of 
200 or more children having been abused. Huckle ended up being convicted of 71 counts of serious sexual offenses against children ranging in ages from 6 months to 12 years old. This includes 14 counts of rape, 5 counts of digital penetration, 31 counts of sexual assault, 6 counts of grooming, 13 counts of taking and making indecent images of children, one count of advertising said images, one count of arranging or facilitating child sexual offenses, which basically means he lined it up for others to have access to abuse these children, with a further 20 counts laying on file. Basically what that means in the UK legal system is that the court feels it has sufficient evidence for the charges that they're bringing, and while they may have sufficient evidence for all of the charges, they're going to hold some of them back in the event that they ever need to bring further charges against this individual. So it's actually a pretty good way to ensure that an individual like Huckle can never get out. He was given multiple life sentences with a mandatory 22 years imprisonment out of a minimum 25-year sentence, at which point he would be allowed for parole. But by putting these other charges on file, it means that should that day ever come, they can turn around and bring those charges to ensure that he can't get back out. However, this is not the end of the case of Richard Heckel. And just as I discussed with the portion where I described some of his various acts, this next portion does include depictions of extreme violence. Solicitor discretion is advised. Richard Heckel may have gotten away with a life sentence, but for some people, thankfully, that wasn't good enough. Heckel had been sent to HM Prison Full Sutton, which is a Category A and B men's prison in the village of Full Sutton near Pocklington in East Riding of Yorkshire. It's basically a maximum security prison for the worst of the worst. On October 13th of 2019, another inmate who was serving an indefinite period of incarceration for severe sexual assault, although I want to make it clear it's not known whether these assaults were against adults or children, but just basing on the information that I have been able to find, more likely than not this individual target adults. Anyways, this prisoner by the name of Paul Fitzgerald went into Huckle's prison cell and began to beat him severely to the point that his jaw was broken and severe bruising was found on Huckle's face and kidney area before tying Huckle up by both the feet and hands. Huckle was sexually assaulted both by the prisoner's own body as well as with a blunt kitchen instrument and choked with an electrical cord. Counts vary as to 
what it was that was actually used to take the life of Richard Huckle. Some state that it was a melted toothbrush turned into a shank, others that it was in fact a pen which had been affixed with a blade. In any event, Huckle was stabbed in the brain with this instrument. The officers in the prison were eventually made aware that this assault was taking place. By the time they arrived at the cell, however, it was thankfully too late for them to save this piece of garbage. Later, during questioning, Fitzgerald would state that he had not been sexually attracted to Huckle and that he had in fact inflicted the injuries he had upon the man because he wanted Huckle to feel every injury and every assault he had ever done to one of his child victims. At trial, prosecutors described the assault as, quote, a prolonged attack also designed to humiliate and degrade. Prison officials actually found Fitzgerald straddling Huckle's body inside of the prison cell, surrounded and covered with the inmate's blood. They also revealed that Fitzgerald had told them that he had made plans to cook and eat part of Huckle's body. On November 24th of 2020, Fitzgerald was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 34 years before being eligible for parole due to the sadistic and barbaric nature of his crime. It should be noted that Fitzgerald denied having intentionally killed Huckle, although he did take responsibility for it due to diminished responsibility. And I would be remiss if I neglected to mention that after Huckle's arrest and during his imprisonment, there was severe criticism aimed at the UK by Malaysia. Part of this criticism stemmed from the fact that the government of the UK sent agents of the NCA to work in the local charities and offer aid to Huckle's victims. Malaysian government stated that the UK government never informed them prior to Huckle's sentencing of how severe his actions and his crimes had been. On June 4th of 2016, the Attorney General of Malaysia Tan Mohammed Apandi Ali informed the media that he was in the process of contacting his counterpart in Great Britain in an effort to find out all information pertaining to Huckle that was available so that the Malaysian government could in fact help the children who had been affected by Huckle. While the British Council released a statement stating, Richard Huckle completed a certificate in English language teaching to adults course in 2008, which provides training to individuals to teach adult learners. Following the course, we have no records to indicate he was ever engaged as a teacher in Malaysia with us, either for adult students or children. They further went on to state that following Huckle's 
arrest, imprisonment, and eventual sentencing, they were reviewing the protocols they used to screen candidates for employment. The Malaysian government went so far as to set up a telephone hotline for its citizens to reach out so that anyone who had been affected or been abused by Richard Huckle or had information concerning his crimes could contact them. The Malaysian government itself was targeted by various international child protective agencies, with James Nayagam, who is the chairman of the Syrian Welfare Society of Children, making his voice the most vocal. In an article in the Sun newspaper, Nayagan stated, Malaysia should make child pornography and child sexual abuse a severe crime with heavy penalties. We should also issue a severe warning at the point of entering the country about our strong stance. Huckle got away with it. He knew the relaxed atmosphere in this country. We Asians fall head over heels with foreigners. He had people fall into his trap, but regardless of where people come from, we must have that check and balance. That statement is really an indictment on a good portion of Asia as a whole, as we talked about in other cases, particularly that of Junko Furuta. There aren't a lot of laws in place within Asia to protect children from child predators. A lot of that is cultural. Japan, however, is one of the few that I am aware of that has begun to take active steps to criminalize this kind of behavior, going so far as to prosecute individuals who abuse against children, and I believe to outlaw images of children. Unfortunately, though, child sexual abuse is rampant in Asia, especially Southeast Asia. A lot of foreigners travel to that part of the world specifically because they know there are a lot of lax laws. Some areas have no laws against it, and if they're caught, they can buy their way out of the situation, which is just absolutely sickening. As all too often when you see these major stings go down where the police bust an international child pornography and child abuse ring, all too often you will see that the majority of these perpetrators either had ties to Asia, the organization itself was based in Asia, or members of this organization had traveled to Asia in order to engage in this type of activity. I know I'm not alone in this, but I think it's worth stating that these types of individuals are without remorse. You cannot fix them. This is not a sexual orientation, despite how individuals who perpetrate these kinds of crimes try and portray it. There's only one cure for pedophilia, and that is death. And I strongly believe that not only America, but worldwide, laws need to be put into place where if you are caught and convicted for these times of crimes, you have 90 days to appeal, and after that, that's the end of it. You are done and finished with, you are executed, because you cannot 
cure these people and they will offend again at the first opportunity. You can't send them into counseling and they're going to stop being the way they are. They just need to be removed from society on a permanent basis. Fuck wasting taxpayers' money on housing these animals. They have proven that they are incapable of being a member of society due to the nature of their crimes. And unlike murder, their victims have to live with what was done to them for the rest of their lives. Ergo, they have forfeited any right they have to continue living and to continue being a member of society in any way, shape, or form, except as fertilizer. All right, we have reached the end of this episode. I hope you have enjoyed my coverage of the Richard Huckle case. Again, if you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast app, Leave a five-star review. You can find me on social media all over the place as DeathCast or DeathCastPod. Please check out my sponsors because they are what is making it possible for me to continue doing this show. And hopefully here in the near future to be able to focus all of my energies and attentions on producing this show and making it better for you, the listeners. Also, don't forget there is a merchandise store where you can buy things as shirts and hats with the show's various logos on it. You can find that at spreadshirt.com backslash shop slash user slash the plus deathcast slash. For those of you who have purchased show merchandise, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It really does mean a lot to me. Until next time, the Deathcast is a co-production of Corpse Creek Publishing in association with Big Pond Podcasts. Stay morbid.